This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Well, let's, let's forget that first half because I want to forget it a bit. Um, oh, it's a good uh, Ask Wrexham question from Jeff Lang, though. If we lose, the team have to pay the club. Um, well, I wouldn't mind a bit of compensation if the second half was like the first, to be <laughs> honest with you. Have you. Did you watch a football match that wasn't your fault? <laughs> um, <laughs> Whether... Where it's lame, there's a claim. (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, it's... uh, Of course, it's it's our uh, level playing field match today. Now, level playing field are a charity which do really good work trying to ensure that disabled sports fans get good experiences at events. And Well, I mean, you can imagine why this is a, a matter very close to Wrexham Football Club's heart, because we all know what good work Kerry Evans does. We know what good work the Disabled Sports Association do as well. And I think it's, it's well, the it, it, first thing's first. It's good to have... Uh, the decision made that even though there's no fans in the ground, we are continuing to have this game today. Yeah, I think it's vital to keep up some of the, you know the the, the games that the club has set out over the years as as recognising mm. um, just you know just causes such as the uh, you know football versus homophobia, the uh, remembrance game for fans that we've had recently, and today obviously the level playing field. I think it's vital that as a community we we do that, um, you know and. And it's great to see that the club are carrying on those those traditions that have been installed. Absolutely, it's it's interesting to see that we have got well, I mean, such a good reputation. You look just to our left, we've got the disabled viewing platform, for example, and I mean, very much I, I would argue the the tension between clubs and fans when it comes to goods facilities for disabled supporters is down to that imperative to make money isn't it the i mean as has been publicized in, well, in the house of lords we have better facilities for disabled supporters than man united yeah despite the fact they got a capacity of seventy-seven thousand, and we've got a capacity of nine thousand, and modern stands as well yeah yes absolutely um and yet, it's because, and to be fair to, you know, okay, under McElhenney and, and Reynolds, who thankfully subscribe to this approach, we'll continue to do so. But under the trust as well, we have prioritised the experience of the fans over the money we'd get from those seats that have been removed to put up a, a viewing platform. And that's absolutely right. And it's a shame. It's a shame to me that big clubs look at the space in their stadium and work out how to monetize each square inch as much as possible when there are also other areas that they really need to prioritize in terms of actually acknowledging their community yeah i think you're right i mean obviously there's a, a bit of controversy uh, between the wst and the the second platform that was never installed or still hasn't been installed yet and i can understand that but as you said the facilities and the opportunities that are provided by the club uh, for the community are very much driven of being under that community ownership uh, uh, and you know inclusive of, of everyone allowing a lot of these things to happen and progress a lot more fluently than perhaps they would at the bigger clubs because every uh, every inch is marketed of of the stadium so i'm sure um once we develop potentially the the cop end that's been talked about uh, obviously, there's standards that are set in in planning law now, um, but I think the club, as a community, as community driven, and the the way R and R have 
have so so far shown their willingness to look into like things like food banks etc will try to optimize the the facilities further and uh, i think that's a, it's a great thing going forward it's mm. it's something that a small club like cells can be proud of when you mentioning you know you, you mentioned in in higher echelons such as parliament as being better than you know one of the best teams in the country mm. and then of course there's the audio description uh, which is run by the disabled sports association which is an outstanding uh, service as well uh, I, I must be honest, I was sort of sceptical of that at first. I thought, well, you know, we do the radio broadcast anyway. It, it's a radio broadcast. We'll not, 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 you know, sort of just use that. But I was absolutely wrong, and, and I'm happy to hold my hands up and say that because I understand now just what a particular service is offered by the audio description. It's absolutely outstanding. And again, I'm, you know, that was an investment made you know you could put the money into the into buying well paying part of a wages for a player but instead we've gone properly about it getting the the proper equipment in because if you're going to do something for people do it properly or not at all yeah i think if you just put a band-aid on it or a token gesture mm. it, it's easily found out and yeah. um i think when it's come to you know trying to keep things on a level play, playing field the club uh, and it's the supporters associations that are involved, and and all the various factions have really supported it and uh, and got behind it when it's been fundraising for the quiet rooms and various bits of the initiatives that have been imp implemented. And fans get on board with that. They're, they're rightly chuffed. It's a bit of a yeah, we do do it. Um, and you know, there's always more we can do. Um, but I think we're certainly heading in the right direction. And Kerry epitomises that. And you know. Uh, linking in with the disabled travel that obviously we can't do at the moment because of um, no away fans so you know th th that's been a successful initiative that's built up and they've done more and more trips each season as it's progressed yeah that's been great isn't it to, to see the fans able to come along to matches um, it's I mean it, it, it just frustrates me when clubs aren't buying into that like you say it's, it's got to be from the top down I was listening to the Price of Football podcast this week they were interviewing um the head of Everton's community programme and I mean Everton are a fantastic example of of that as indeed are um, the Racecourse Foundation who are going to be renamed as the Wrexham Foundation in order to draw them underneath the umbrella a bit more and be more clearly able to, to sort of do good work through the Wrexham team's the club's name but it, it just frustrates me that you then you, you juxtapose that with you know these threats of European Super Leagues, which clearly are are designed in order to squeeze uh, more of a proportion of the TV money to the big clubs, and and it just unfortunately you know, it's, it's 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 a shame when you've got some clubs at the top end are willing to to see the big picture and others who are only interested in self-aggrandizement. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think you know football will go that way. It's money-led and money-driven. Unfortunately, for the, the a lot of the business at the top, it's rare to find ownership that will buy into it uh, and and when I say buy into it not just mm. say we're buying into it actually actually invest time and funding to it um, I suppose one positive from COVID is with not having fans and everyone's had to adapt as clubs and look at their you know the, the income streams that you know yeah. we're not as rich as as uh, clubs think they are in division two, you know league one league two uh, and re really have to look at how they make money and re uh, you know generate revenue and 
adapt budgets and I think the Levin playing field has, has opened up um, fans to the experience of getting to live football uh, and that'll be what a benefit from it is that um, you know whether the streams can continue and stuff like that but also the interest is there and it's been sort of enhanced by a lack of things to do sometimes that uh, that, that COVID's allowed you know fans of from all walks of life to, to get involved but the, the worry for me with COVID is that naturally, in these times, uh, people are going to tighten their belts, and that includes football clubs, and they are liable to look at protecting themselves and not prioritising these community-facing endeavours. And because of that, I think that's why these sort of campaigns are hugely important, why it's important, even if we're blowing around trumpets, to, to shout loudly about the work that, that Kerry does, that Gemma does, that there are all these different good people around the club do, because we need to be saying, look, this is this is, should be the norm. This should be what you're doing. The, the more publicity we can give this, the more we can hopefully remind other clubs that, that that's a priority, and it should be, even when you're cutting costs. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's, um, why not be a shining example? Yeah. Um, you know, Yes, we'd all love to be a shining example on the pitch, but um, you know we can. You can. You can be a shining example, and we've got built. We've got the great foundations to move forward, mm. um, and potentially with the global exposure the club is going to get or has yeah, yeah. has uh, has got, those initiatives will stand uh, stand tall because they they are they're out there as what the club do well. If you yeah. look at Wrexham, it's one of the things that uh, we do well, and I'll encourage fans that are new to football or getting. To know football via a different a different medium because of the, the ownership, um, and know that we've got these initiatives and come and enjoy them themselves once we're allowed back to uh, mm. to uh, fans in the stadium. I mean, I've got to say, uh, what you say there is, is it interests me. You talk about this thing being a shining example because this this links into something that's been bugging me a bit lately. Um, Wrexham fans are always convinced that we're a special club. Now, I I really can't quite work out whether that's because we are or because every fan thinks their club's special or unique there's certainly a sense amongst the, the fans I think that you know we, we ought to be acknowledged as different and I'm thinking well, what makes us different we're okay we're the only North Walian professional club I accept that and being Welsh makes us different from the teams we're playing against generally um, but by the same token Norwich is the only team in Norfolk does that make us all say oh Norwich they're different um I'm not sure, but by standing out as a club that has that prioritises people, and I say that not only when we've got two rich owners who want to do that, but because we've done it as fan-owned as a yeah, fan-owned. The club, last ten years, we've built this platform yeah, when we couldn't afford to do it, perhaps, but yeah. we still chose to do it because it's right. That's a special thing that makes us different from everyone else. I would argue. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know it's we're what two and a half three weeks into to a different change of ownership and all these things have been, have been in place and something that you know yes fans ultimately want results on the pitch and as we all do that as a fan you want to see your team success, uh, successful but I think a bit of proud ownership in what the club has achieved as a community and what it represents for the area yeah. and what it offers every everyone from the area and that's yeah it's I think every fan from every club likes it when you know the results go the right way and they think they're a little bit special and stuff like that. But 
You know, Wrexham have got lots of odd bits of history here and there that does make us unique, being an old, one of the oldest clubs, the third oldest club, yeah. having an oldest international. You know, there's little bits here and there. There's the Arsenal game, there's the 70s, the end of the 70s, there's some of the players, and there is passion. You know, kids are brought up by their parents who sing the Wrexham, uh, you know, vision to them, and they, they, they get it and they carry on. You look at the crowds we get in non-league, despite... Uh, numerous years of not getting to where we want yeah. um, so there is something special there but and there's passion there and you can see that when you get a couple of wins and everyone gets very positive and then one <laughs> one defeat and it's crushing and I understand the frustration I really do because you know you've been a fan to a, a, a lot of a far longer well longer than I have not far longer not many <laughs> a couple of years um, but we both that's very generous of you <laughs> think, to be honest <laughs> but, we, but we've both we're both fans at heart and that's what leads yeah, you into yeah. it so yeah def- not playing well and not having the best results does hurt just as much as it does to every other mm. fan we're privileged that we've got a position that allows us to still be here and, but also bring what we see or what we what we feel about the club uh, to, to, a, to an audience and you know, I think we 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 appreciate that there are some special bits of this club, and we should be proud of the things we've achieved, particularly in uh, play, uh, with a level playing field. This is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.